0: Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Pretos. This is episode 185. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. Share the good word of our podcast. Whether you're inside the Beltway in the United States and talking about those, those issues that we care about here. But we also go global. Sharing the, the big ticket items. As we will do again today, we'll get to that shortly. also want to tell you to head over to YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. Check out the videos I do there. You get to see me, a visual component. You can also listen to all the Soccer OG podcasts in this library where you get your podcast. And we're going to keep it kind of global here. Again, joining me in the business end, Justin Merrim, MLS midfielder forward, also Iraqi international. And yeah, we're back at the Asian Cup because it's interesting we'll talk about the middle eastern teams the gulf nations and why they are improving i jinxed justin's iraqi team last week on the pod and they got knocked out losing to jordan but why is it why are we seeing such a track attractive and effective football from that part of the world we'll get into that we'll also talk about being an mls veteran and why guys like justin are so valuable in the league And uh, why he's a free agent now, you get the feeling that the club will land him to uh, find someone who can provide goals and assist. Later on in check complete, Gio Reyna is now on loan at Nottingham Forest. It is a peculiar deal. We'll get into all the details. I'll give you my take on it and the winners and the losers and what to expect from it all and how Gio comes out the other end. But it's going to be an exciting six months as he is there. With Nottingham Forest, we are ready to go. Time to get into the rundown. We are back, and last week the uh, the big topic was two of these legends in charge of mega clubs saying that they are going to step down at the end of the season. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. And Xavi at Barcelona. Two very different announcements, right? Jurgen Klopp was... uh, He created... There was a production made. And he announced it. Everyone was shocked. People were in tears. And Xavi's team would have gave up five goals to Villarreal. And then he kind of quietly said, I'm I'm stepping out at the end of the season. His time may have been short. Uh, Both those clubs were in action on Wednesday. Liverpool... Absolutely throttled Chelsea. That was uh, an undressing. And, you know, I saw Robbie Musto say it was men versus boys. I mean, it was such a beatdown. And every Chelsea player just exposed. Moises Caicedo, who I love, was a hot mess. But Liverpool, that's their second game with uh, Jurgen Klopp. They had an FA Cup game against Norwich. And that was the second game. Since he uh, announced it. And they've won both of them. It's going to be a really interesting watch. And we talked about it last week. Uh, I I, I am fascinated to see how it turns out. They are still in the mix for four competitions. They beat Chelsea Uh, 4-1. The the kid Connor Bradley scoring. Shobas Luis Diaz late. Really nice lineup. They could have scored more goals. Darwin Nunez was one of the big stories. Because he missed a penalty. And hit the, the crossbar. But I mean, Liverpool looked fantastic. Chelsea were looking better, but they just dropped with a thud. Manchester City crushed Burnley, so both of them won. Liverpool have played an extra game, but they're five points clear. I think you would still f- tend to think that Manchester City wins the Premier League title, but Liverpool's in it. Arsenal's the question now can they keep pace? My guess is no. And then Tottenham uh, falling off the back wheel. Aston Villa definitely will fall off. They have been hemorrhaging results. And my West Ham United is in, it's nice and snug in sixth place. So we have that. And then you have Xavi, which is, uh, they beat Osasuna. And a clean sheet, which I'm, I'm sure is good news. I mean, it wasn't easy, even though they were, they were pretty dominant in that game they had to wait till the sixth or the 63rd minute Victor Roque we're trying to you know you get the right pronunciation we we always seem to struggle with uh, some of the um, brazilian players but Victor Roque who uh, is 18 year old another look even though barcelona are struggling and they're going to have a rough end of the season i think they're going to probably finish 3rd or worse, in La Liga. I don't think they catch Real Madrid, and I don't think they're going to catch Girona. But with all these these kids playing, you know, Victor Hockey comes in, a minute later he scores, lamin Yamal is a must-see, he's 16, <laughs> 16, and he looks like he's 14. Uh, Gavi is on the mend, so there are injuries, Pedri there, he's 21, he's an old man at this point, and, you know, uh, the, the the big issue there i mean they got a, a win and a clean sheet the the big issue there is how they give up big chunks of goals so they've got to, they got to be careful of that you know they lost to Villarreal 5-3 and i think that was the first time they allowed 5 goals since the 60s or maybe 5 goals at home at home they've allowed then they lose in the copa del rey they gave up four goals to athletic club of bilbao he uh, was just it's four goals in the Super Copa to Real Madrid, so we'll keep an eye on them. They're in fourth place, actually tied on points with Atletico Madrid, and well behind Girona and Real Madrid, which Girona is still in first place. So La Liga is still very compelling. Did want to talk about Afcon and Asia Cup. We'll talk Asia Cup with. Um, Justin Merrim, who's a former Iraqi international, I I booked him on the show with the thought that Iraq, who beat Japan and looked really good, have a player on Manchester United, have a a lot of good European-based players that uh, they would get through. But they lose to Jordan. And we'll talk about Jordan as well, man. Jordan is a fun watch. And then Jordan is going to play Tajikistan. That is like the surprise packet. So one of those two teams will make it. Into the semifinals. And it's anyone's, you have two other quarterfinal matchups, which could be finals really, with uh, Japan and Korea, who had both labored in this tournament winning their games. So South Korea will play Australia. Japan will play Iran. Games will be on Friday, Saturday, February 2nd, and February 3rd. The fourth quarterfinal is Qatar, which was my pick to win it. Uh, I'm not patting myself on the back because I've had miserable selections. And they're playing Uzbekistan. And Uzbekistan have been pretty steady throughout. They uh, they win their, their knockout stage game without too uh, many entanglements. And they finish second behind Australia. Uh, without losing a game in that group, uh, they could win it. I mean, they could beat Qatar. I remember we were ridiculing Uzbekistan because the U.S. was struggling with them. They're a good team. uh, The U.S. should be beating them. There's no doubt about it. So you have Uzbekistan on one side. You have Tajikistan on the other. You know who's going to be upset if Tajikistan and Uzbekistan make the final? Uh, Borat from Kazakhstan. Oh! Sorry, low-hanging fruit. It has been really, It's it's been good. I mean, and I've paid more attention than I usually do to the Asian Cup, but the Asian teams are much, much better. I mean, this has been, at Palestine, I, that, someone explained that to me, that they can make the knockouts and compete with Qatar. I mean, they were winning that game and explained to me how they're doing this with what's happening in their country. But I think, you know, a lot of these places in the Middle East—they have countries that have the weight of being in a political theater of some kind. Iraq, obviously, some time ago with Saddam Hussein, but you know that part of a, a that country still le- that leaves a mark on the country. And there's a lot of military bases in that area. Um, Iran, no doubt about it, is another one uh, that is right in political theater. Uh, how that affects these teams or the, or, or the fans, I can't tell you. I'm just seeing it with my eyes. But that has to be a distraction, and yet these teams move forward. And there's the neighbors like Jordan and Bahrain and the Saudis uh, that uh, have all had good tournaments. So we're down to the quarterfinals. I never mentioned Australia. I never mentioned it last week with Anthony Hudson, and they just keep chugging along. But really going to be, I mean, maybe it is a Japan-Korea final, which would uh, be fantastic, but somewhat unexpected by the way it went. So it was a little crazy in the Asian Cup. And then you have AFCON, which was bananas. So I read a stat that the eight-quarter finalists are completely different from the last African Cup of Nations. Uh, There's no explaining explaining this. I said my pick was going to be Senegal-Morocco. I felt really good about that Senegal gets knocked out by the Ivory Coast in penalties which is uh, you know not super surprising because it is the hosts and then so I'm not super surprised by that based on the way AFCON goes you could expect it Morocco losing by two goals to South Africa is surprising me South Africa even going back to when they hosted the World Cup in 2010 That program's been a mess. They don't produce really good players like they used to. But maybe they're coming back. By the way, there was a guy on their team. I remember he was a South African youth international. And his name's Yaya. And his last name is spelled S-I-T-H-O-L-E. Which, if you said it phonetically from the English language, would be sit hole. And it's pronounced sitole. And I didn't know that. When I was calling that game and I saw that name and I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> like, oh, I ain't touching that. Someone give me a pronunciation on this, and please don't tell me that he pronounces his name Sithole. So Sitole. I'm glad he's still around. And then all the other crazy results. North Africa is out. North Africa, we usually associate that with the best teams. Egypt, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, all out. Someone, I tweeted that, someone tweeted back, because that's the issues they have when they're in Sub-Saharan Africa. Well, they're, that's not that far from where they are. I know the temperature's different, but it's also, I don't know. Uh, that's an odd one. Um, I Guinea beat Equatorial Guinea, which is great on its own, on the surface. And then the stadium was packed, and you, I mean, I'm learning about geography. Here, Guinea, uh... <laughs> Borders, Ivory Coast. In fact, a lot of countries that are still there are fr- in that Western African area. Nigeria, Congo, Guinea, Mali, Ivory Coast. Uh, Cape Verde is kind of close. Angola is a little bit away from that. So it's uh, the it's right there in that Western Central Africa where uh, most of these countries are. Nigeria, Angola. Games will be Friday, Saturday. Ni- Angola is good, but you like have to think Nigeria is going to win. But you can't think anything. To DR of Congo and Guinea. I'm, I'm feeling Guinea now. Mali, Ivory Coast, Cape Verde, South Africa, and the other thing that's is curious is there's so many surprises in Afcon. But generally, when the World Cup qualifying rolls around, that same group of teams generally will qualify: Cameroon, Senegal, the North African teams, Morocco, Tunisia. Not all the time, but a combination of eight or nine countries usually qualify. Right. Uh. Ivory Coast, Senegal, uh, Nigeria really hasn't that much, but that's it. And then all of a sudden you have Cape Verde and Angola, Guinea. So it doesn't, African football doesn't make any sense, but that's why I love it. So the quarterfinals, enjoy them if you can. I have, certainly have. We will continue the conversation with the Asian Cup. We'll talk a little MLS. We'll just talk about the international game. My special guest in the business and Justin Marum, creative player extraordinaire in Major League Soccer, proud Michigander, and Iraqi International. We'll talk about Asian Cup. We'll talk about MLS. The Business End is next. We're back here in the Business End, and joining me now, someone I've wanted to have here for some time, a great campaigner in Major League Soccer, and who's had an incredible adventure on the international stage, representing Iraq, Justin Merrim, who uh, I, I, you can't see him, he's got his Michigan shirt on. I know you were a place kicker, right? You in, in football at one point, correct? Yeah.
1: How do you know about
0: that? I looked at your Wikipedia page.
1: Oh uh, yeah, you know that was I was dabbling in the, the kicking space. Uh, you know, actually throughout my life, in high school, you know, I was all-state kicker, and I was actually planning on playing you know american football in college before um i got seen to to play at a community college in arizona called Yabapai. um so kind of i was kind of on my way to arizona state as a walk-on kicker and going, really yeah and
0: as a place kicker or a punter place kicker correct
1: place kicker yep yeah.
0: what could you hit it from
1: 45 easy, 50 decent. Anything past that, it was hit or miss for me at that Oh, Well, time. college,
0: college, you'll that's good living right there. Yeah, when you talk about 50 55, and that's that's when you start making some serious money in the pros with that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, look at the kicker for the Cowboys now. Um,
0: oh, he, he was MLS. I mean, yeah, or he was he was a
1: oh, That's a yeah, great story. Ran, uh, played with philly second team and then went to the canadian football league i believe
0: yeah and then the other guy who was fc dallas man why does his name escape me but it's it's the
1: jags what's his name uh... yes
0: the jags i'm I'm trying to do a search now uh ml (laughs) nfl oh josh lambeau
1: yep lambeau
0: i don't think he's there anymore but still the good living man and some of these guys can go 10 15 years the one, the the one thing I've always noticed, and you have the punters; they all come from Australia now. So there's former Australian Football League guys, yep. and they come here and they, they go, "I can do this." They usually come in their 30s and they just whack it a mile.
1: That's crazy, man. But I yeah, wanted but... to bring
0: a, I wanted to bring a football because you got your Michigan top, so you had to be thrilled. You have that, and then you came down to earth. Are you a Lions fan? Because I know you're from Michigan.
1: Oh yeah, I grew up, born and raised out here. So I, I was heartbroken. I actually. I was telling a lot of people, I've never felt this way in a game, even my own game. I, I didn't want to speak to anybody for a good 36 hours. It, it, was, it was tough. We were I went to the game against uh, the Rams, me, my wife, and, and her sister. So we went to that game. It was unbelievable at fourth field just to see the Lions um, get to this point and just we became America's team, you know, everybody was rooting for the lions and it was just so good to see. And what a first half in San Fran and, you know, things happen. Momentum is a crazy thing in sports. And once you, you know, you lose that and you have one wrong bounce, um, you know, you're under it. And that was the first time I saw Detroit all season, really not, have the the way to come back and it, w- it was tough but you got to be proud of them and i think uh we got a good thing brewing for the next couple of years here with this coach dan campbell and
0: this yeah, he, he got a lot of heat he got a little heat because i mean i i would think if he hit, kicked that field, not that they made the field goal but he kicks it and makes it then it's, it's probably over because the, the thing that blew me away is how quickly a 17 point lead disappeared it was like four minutes to go in the third quarter and it's tied up i go what
1: what just happened here i know i think he needs to kick it 17 point lead again in the third quarter and that's a three three score game and you know you kind of control the tempo but you know he was going for it on fourth down all year and he didn't want to change it and kind of what I've told people sometimes in championship games you gotta adjust a little bit because it's a it's a winner winner go home but he's there and and I'm just an MLS guy so what do I know
0: (laughs) we'll talk about MLS I don't want to keep it on you anymore but I've been I've been getting into the Asian Cup and really enjoying it. And I, I I saw you know Iraq pull off this huge result over Japan and they win their group. And I picked Iraq Qatar. We had a little grouping thing. I said Iraq Qatar. And I actually had Anthony Hudson on last week and I gave him my pick. And that thing got blown up real quickly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we were gonna talk about. I still want to talk about Iraqi football. And I was hoping we were talking about a quarterfinal matchup. And by the way, the, the tournament's still good. It's still very compelling for neutrals and yep. everyone. You have Japan and Iran, you have Korea and Australia. Then you have oh,
1: huge games coming up.
0: Yeah. Taji- you have some, you know, Tajikistan. And the thing that's gotta be frustrating, if Iraq wins that they get Tajikistan, they probably have a very good shot at making the semifinals.
1: And then, you know, we had a great result we've we've actually done really well against South Korea, so if they would have beat Australia, we've been neck and neck. I mean, my last, one of my last international games with Iraq was the World Cup qualifier in Seoul, and we played against South Korea. It was a nil-nil draw, um, so we match up pretty well. We're, it's crazy how good we are and uh, the little respect we get. Um, there, you know, Iraq- yeah, very- just, a,
0: it's true, because, I, I sorry to interrupt you, but it's I think when when Iraq beat Japan, people were going on about, well, this is, a, you know, unprecedented. And then I'm like, wait a minute. No, Iraq won this thing. Yeah. What was it? Oh, seven or
1: seven. And then the year I played in the Asia Cup, we went all the way to semifinals. We we beat Iran in the quarterfinals and we lost to South Korea. where well, son scored two goals, I believe, actually. And
0: there was like an Olympic run, too. I thought they I don't know if they medaled, but they made the semis. they made a pretty deep deep
1: run run. Yep, i mean we're we're right there we're we're it's it's so great to see and you're starting to see the infrastructure in iraq get a little bit better and you're starting to see the quality of players you're starting to see the expat players from germany sweden um the netherlands You, you know you're seeing these guys that are iraqi raised or you know not born like myself but raised by iraqi parents and you know representing the country and it's so good to see and when i watch them play and and having a great coach um who's a a spanish coach was part of the spain national team right now you're getting you know a sophisticated coach that's you know been around a, a high level and really mentoring these kids that um you know don't see that type of coaching in iraq right so um all in all he's done a fantastic job and and the level of the players is is very high and we're going to be good for many many years to come
0: well let me ask you about that because and you, you you brought it up about how it surprised people and you're like why are you surprised um because iraq has been kind of knocking on the door for some time and i don't want to lump all these countries in but I'm seeing a similar development. You're seeing Iraq breaking through. I was watching Syria this morning. I mean, they don't have much of a pedigree, but they played well. You have obviously, you know, the Saudis got knocked out, but they are established. Qatar is, is a country that's developing. We know they have those big leagues. But let me stick it like, you know, when you think of Iraq, you know, we're not too far removed. It was a, a war-torn country. And you you think of the infrastructure, go, how— would they I even even Palestine? I don't even know what's I, I I don't know how they did that. I mean, they're making breakthroughs when India and China can't even get out of the groups. So oh. um, maybe to answer it bigger, but maybe be more specific with Iraq, which is a country that's, you know, still, you know, um coming out of the sh- the, the shadows of that that era. Um, how were you mentioned the coaching? That's got to be a big part of it. But, you know, you need money to be able to hire the coaches to develop that and every What are those elements that have uh, pieced it together where it's becoming Iraq or many of these other countries becoming very advanced in their, uh, their footballing ideas?
1: I just think the league is getting stronger. I just think the infrastructure of the Iraqi league is getting better. You're just seeing the quality um, get better. And, and you're starting to see some of these top talented Iraqi players move on and play in the Saudi leagues, play in the Qatari leagues, play in the Emirate league. Um, Some go to Russia. Some have played in Europe and Turkey. So now you're seeing these top talented players play elsewhere and that's raising the level. And then you're mixing in the guys that play abroad that were born in, uh, in in Europe, right. With Iraqi background. So all of that together with the, highly rated coach and now you're starting to see you know um iraq play at a high level and i think i think did we break the top 60 i I think i saw something like that and that's a huge accomplishment i think when i joined the national team back in 2014 about 10 years ago it was uh i think we were like 90th or 100th and we got all the way up into like the 70s and then now you know with some great results um You know they're breaking through, and I'm just I'm just sad because I think we would have been in the semifinals if that result against Jordan went any differently.
0: Yeah, Zidane Iqbal, who was born in uh, in England, and then there is um, uh, Al Amadi, who was born in Sweden. I mean, that's um, that scouting has to be good, you included, because clearly those in charge of Iraqi football, and I'm sure this is being shadowed in other countries or casting a wide net a lot. I, I had a guest who was talking about Indian football and they feel that's the one thing that's holding them back is they're not pursuing Indian players that may play in England or the United States that could be lured into an Indian national team and make them take a step above. I mean, is do you have any insight on that process where they are able to scout? Cause that is also takes a lot of resources and money to be able to find that talent, convince them
1: yeah, to come think, over. You know, a little bit with myself and maybe a year before I came with, um, you know, a couple guys that were from Sweden and these, these expect groups, um, these like, it started with like Facebook and the name that comes to mind is Yusuf Afafaji who, who started kind of this Iraqi professional page that they would just be watching games all over and finding guys that were Iraqi. I mean, hell, they sent me a Facebook message. Are you Iraqi? Like that was back in 2012. And then it took two years to gain, you know, citizenship and get my passport. And, um, you know, because being a Chaldean Catholic from the North of Iraq, um, and that's kind of where ISIS and everything was. And a lot of things were torn where my, you know, my mom and dad grew up. They went to the church where my dad was baptized back in, however, 1955, 60, whatever, whatever that time was. And that's kind of was the final document that um, they needed to uh, get citizenship because my parents, when they left the country, they didn't bring you know much w- with them when, when they left Iraq. So um, it's a lot uh, more professional now you know, Zidane, as a young player, was part of Manchester United. I think he played in a Champions League game, right? So you're getting, you know, really highly talented players now that are representing Iraq. And I think you see some of these guys, and it happens all over the world, but now you're starting to see with Iraq is some guys, are you going to play for Germany? Are you really going to break through with Germany? Or you have, you know, are you going to play with Iraq? where you still going to be on a big stage, Asia Cup, World Cup qualifiers, and you can be, you know a big name for the country so we're starting to see you know good talented players make the transition to the iraqi national team
0: just to pivot so i for, forgive my ignorance but the the makeup of iraq is it, it's pre- predominantly arab and then kurdish is that it, it, yeah
1: it's like you know the kurds and the chaldeans and the assyrians and the chaldeans
0: all, is your but, your family and that's a catholic uh a yeah. classification
1: yeah so we're all in the north near musul erbil area and the kurds are above us and the assyrians are you know we're all in that north region um but yeah majority of the you know population of um of iraq is you know 95 96% you know arab muslims so that's the makeup of iraq and
0: just to go back to how someone reached out to you on facebook and said are you iraqi to kind of make that first uh, approach do you remember was there a was there additional ways for them to contact you? Was there a phone call saying, hey, uh, let's make this happen? Because it, obviously it happened pretty quick once you uh, kind of got on that track.
1: No, that, that it was just kind of that. And then just kind of everybody got involved. It was like uncles that knew people back home in Iraq and then people part of the federation reaching out. And I don't speak Arabic or I didn't at the time. And then, you know, my parents speak Arabic and Chaldean. So, you know, my mom would get involved, my dad would get involved. So there were just a lot of parties involved to try and make it work, going to the Iraqi embassy here in Detroit, and then they're trying to get paperwork. So now I think guys will get their passports and, you know, maybe a year under, you know, for me, it was a two-year process. It was a never ending process. It was always one more document, or somebody needed to sign off on something. And it was, and you know, I didn't know if it was going to happen actually. And, in 2014, um, in Nove- November, I went play in the Golf Cup, and then December, Jurgen called me for January camp for US. And Ber- Greg Berhalter is asking me, "Are you sure you want to go to the Asia Cup in January of 15, or do you want to go to January camp for the US?" And like that was a major decision for me. And you know, what do I do? You know, obviously, I grew up in. I lived in the U.S. my whole life, um, but something was just telling me, you know, where my parents grew up and what, what's in my blood, and it was the best decision I made for me. And you know, to represent Iraq for eight years and forty some caps, I think, or whatever That's it is, caps, man. Yeah, it was good, and got to see the world, and got to go back home and see the people, and uh, you know, for me, it was probably the best moments of my life. Um, and then, so, you know, I'm always thankful. And it was always an honor to, to wear that jersey, you know, and it was always special for my mom and dad, their friends to call from back home and tell them that they saw me play live. And you know, you'll know, you always take those memories with you. And, you know, it's sad it, it's over now, but I had to make a decision. I have a lot of kids now and a family and the travel is very difficult in the way the world is. It was just best for me to, you know, stay home and just focus on, you know, MLS and my family.
0: Is is there where is a in the United States? Is there a a, a concentration of Iraqi families? Does that even exist? Where? Oh yeah,
1: you... um, Michigan and, and San Diego. Those are the two. Really? and you? Had,
0: I know you said you had family in San Diego, but Michigan is where Iraqi families Michigan, settled.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the number one.
0: I didn't, man, this is, this is I, I got to know Mike, our country a little bit more here, man.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> did, yeah. Michelle- did you? Especially, and then like in Dearborn area you have a lot of the Lebanese um but yeah Michigan is the most populated most populated like Middle East community outside of the Middle East for sure for
0: all Middle East like you said
1: Lebanese Jordanian yeah yeah but mostly like Chaldeans are I don't know a couple hundred thousand we have in Michigan for sure wow
0: that's really that's a Something we we all should know a little bit more about. I mean, that's uh, it's. I always it's always unique to know where these families end up, and all of a sudden you get one generation to the next, and you have this pipeline, and then that becomes you know it becomes home. So that's very cool. I wanted to uh, ask you about uh, the game because um, Jordan were pretty good too. I mean, they were. It was probably a bad draw, but Iraq was down a goal, came back to take a two-one lead. Jordan has this guy Musa Al Tamari who plays in France and just uh, the thing that I guess with him and some of the Iraqi players and uh, some of the Middle Eastern players, maybe there's like a profile that you would think, but the one thing that I kept getting drawn into is the creative element of some of these guys. And the, it wasn't a really rigid game. It was good passing technical skills is uh was it all? I know it wasn't always like that, but it did. Is is there a certain style that they that some of the no. people <laughs> The Arab flair has always been
1: there. You just it's, haven't tuned in. I, <laughs> you
0: just I'm, I'm so. In. I know I'm an ignorant sob here, Justin. But I go. I never thought Arab and flair were like two things. And I'm watching these games. I go. These guys are getting after
1: it. This is yeah, really that, attractive football that's probably why some coaches have hated me in my career is maybe too much flair too. Cause that's, that's you too. (laughs) That's just, that's just in our blood, but no, it's, you know, you have that. And the one thing I was so shocked when I joined the national team is like, these guys have the flair, but man, like the way they put their whole body on the line and how strong and physical they are as well. And I mean, hell, they don't even put insoles in their shoes, and I, and I was mind boggled by it. And I'm asking them, you know, why don't you put it? And they said, it's too soft. You know, our feet we played on the streets our whole life. Like we want these shoes the same way. Like we feel like we're playing on the streets. Like and even that gets to me. Like man, we're 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 too spoiled here in the states. You know. Yes,
0: yes, and, and the thing is, there's a camaraderie with these players, and being from the part of the world they were, where you know life has been disrupted for one thing or the other. Uh, You see the passion and how I mean, I'm not diminishing how other countries play and they all have that, but how important these results are. And there was a moment where the Syrian team made it to the knockouts and they're coached by Hector Cooper, who's a legendary Argentine coach and the translator. And there's a reporter talking and they're both crying because of how important this was. And Hector Cooper's in the middle going, wait, guys, I'm going to I'm going to slip on out of here. You guys can cry amongst yourselves. I got to get ready for the next game. But there's something, and that's that makes these teams dangerous. And, like, I mean, I, even just to move forward, you know, this Asian Cup will wrap up, and then the next World Cup, I believe Asia has eight teams. And I think yeah. people rolled their eyes at that. But, you know, I could pick out eight teams that I've seen here that all could play pretty well. The last World Cup, granted, it was in Qatar, so there was a, a regional advantage. But, you know, Australia, Korea, Japan, made it, Saudi beat Argentina, Qatar, I think we're just overwhelmed, but then you have to, Iraq could be a team that makes it, Jordan could be a team that makes it, and Pakistan could.
1: So you got Japan, Australia, South Korea, Iran, um, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, these last two, I believe it's going to be between Iraq, Jordan, Syria, Emirates. Those four will probably fight for those last two. I don't think China's really – no. Uh, they can't hang with us. Um, Uzbekistan was good before. They've kind of fallen off a bit. Um, but, man, like Jordan and Palestine and but Syria have all – Palestine got- have
0: made the knockouts. They have no business doing that.
1: Yeah, they've got better recently. And I just think soccer just continued to grow, and you're starting to see – their local leagues, they're starting to grab players from other di- different regions. And it's just making everybody better. And that's just like anything, right? You get better competition. Guys locally got to raise their level. And, it, you know, they're getting better coaches. And I think there's more money in the game now. So it attracts foreign coaches to coach in these countries and these leagues, right? You look at the Saudi team. You know, who's the head coach for the Saudi national team? It's... Uh, mantini yeah, I mean look look <laughs> that's crazy Saudi Arabia,
0: right? What I mean, what are they paying him? They gotta be paying him five, six probably million. like probably more
1: like a hundred thousand a year. I don't
0: know. No, more than that. He's <laughs> in the millions, kidding.
1: man. I'm kidding. <laughs> Maybe a hundred thousand a day, more
0: like he was that was one of the interesting moments in the penalty shootout with Korea when they missed two penalties. He he walked off and I was like, Where he was like, yeah. I'm out. He
1: Listen, was in a died, bad
0: mood. He was in a crappy mood.
1: They dominated Jurgen's side of South Korea. They dominated.
0: Yeah. They kind of yeah. ran out of steam at the end. I think Korea kind of, but this is a Korea and Japan are elite. You know, these are teams with superstars, and then Jordan tied Korea. Probably should have beaten them, and then Iraq beat Japan. So there's like, there's no uh. Fear. It used
1: to be really. It used to be really um, lopsided. Probably during my time, a little bit. Um, We're just Japan, South Korea, Iran. We're just so above everybody in Australia. We're just so above everybody. And then over the last few years, you're just starting to see um, those teams kind of come down a little bit. And then these smaller countries are just getting stronger. And you're seeing it in these results. Um, And it's fun. It's making Asia Cup great. And it's making, you know, guys like yourself tune in. And even my trainer here in Detroit had the Iran was it Iran, Syria today?
0: Yes. Yeah, it went to penalties.
1: It did. So I, I saw it was one zero. Iran. Iran's. The-
0: I mean, Iran's struggling, and they got ballers. I mean, yeah, they got. Yeah. They have five or six top tier guys. You know, they. Ballers. The uh, you mentioned the leagues, and we know the money's in Saudi and the Qatari league, UAE. That benefits, I think, the region because they can recruit locally. You mentioned the Iraqi league. What is? I mean. Are those players making a good living? What is is how much professionalism would you?
1: They're making a couple hundred thousand a year. Um, so so, know, they but, don't have to.
0: They don't have to find another job. They could be a yeah, full time yeah. professional. Top
1: guys are are making that. Um, but you know everybody's pretty well taken care of. Um. Whether they get paid on time or not, that that might be a different story. Well, but... That that happens in a lot of places, not just yeah in the Middle East. Yeah, I, yeah. I always
0: associate that more with us in the Americas that you may you may get paid or you may not.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's tougher in a lot of places. The world is um is interesting right now on the financial side.
0: Yeah, it sure is. There's some crazy money out there and then
1: yeah.
0: then the rest of us kinda fall in line. So uh, what's what's happening with you? I know you, you had your time in Charlotte. You're you're on the on the lookout for new opportunities. Uh, you're a guy who scores a lot of goals in MLS. I mean, just with the league as well. You've I know time with uh, the crew, uh, Orlando City, Atlanta RSL. Uh, most of the time with the crew, and then with Charlotte here, at the back end of last year, still getting some good numbers. How have you seen the league? Um, what are the things that kind of stick out for a guy who's spent you know? over a decade here playing in major league soccer.
1: Yeah, it's growing in the right direction. Um, It's exciting. I think the league's cup Messi, that whole tournament brought a lot of, a lot of eyes onto the league. Um, You're starting to see a lot of good talent coming in. Um, You know, but for me, it's, you know, sometimes you're seeing these teams get ahead of themselves, right? They're making a lot of big splashes. um, Just, trigger happy to, to get a deal across the table and to maybe make some noise, but um, not always panning out, you know, um, LAFC, right? You, you know, them. I think it was Buick or you know, it was a big signing and mm-hmm. it doesn't pan out. And within the year, right, he, he's on his way out and there's many teams like that. So I just think for myself being in the league, it's um, you got to have a mixture, right? You got to have to. And, I, and I'm speaking for the American college we- guy.
0: Right? We need we need, for a variety of reasons. You need that American identity, not just because you want to develop American players uh, to help the national team, but to build out where you have more know how and these guys pass that on to the next generation. But you know, Americans want to see Americans play too. You know, you go out there, you want to see your neighbor, your or uh, guys that you grew up seeing, wherever it is in college or what have you.
1: Yeah, you just need a good mix, right? Uh, you you need those veteran guys because man, it, it's a long season. You got guys that come from all over, and you need those guys to, to carry the group through. Whether it's for them to step into an open cup game and, and make sure the guys understand, listen, you can't you know you can't play to the level of the opponent. You'll be surprised quickly. Um, there's ballers on. on On teams in lower leagues in in America, right, in USL or MPSL or whatever, some of these teams are just USL 2. You're seeing really good level players. And, I mean, I was with Salt Lake. I think we – when was it? We got smoked by, I think, this Colorado switchback maybe. I don't know.
0: Yeah. it's like the Colorado Springs team, I think.
1: You know, they beat us at home, so – You know, that American player that you can rely on, right, is vital for a group. And then you got to – the DP spot is so crucial because you only get three of those, and you can't miss because they're so vital to, to your team, right, because they're the most expensive players, and those are your superstars, right? And if LAFC, when they get it right, Columbus Crew, when they get it right, you see those are the teams in the finals, right? And Seattle was getting it right. or They still did it right, but, you know, they were always making a run and winning a couple of MS Cups. And it, there's no secret to it. When you get those positions right and you have a good balance of American players, great DPs, great young kids coming through the academy, it just has to be a mix. And uh, for me, I'm starting to see, and maybe because I'm older and a little biased, but starting to see maybe these rosters become really young, And and now, you know, new generation aren't maybe aren't as built as us. And there's a (laughs) little increase, and they still got to grow a little bit. (laughs) They got to. They can't play every game. And I think when you have um, a great locker room, it goes a long way, and it keeps guys sane and getting through the the long days, the hot summers, and Open Cup, Leagues Cup, MLS Cup playoffs. Right there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on, and you, you just need a good balance. And you see that with great teams that make a great run. They have the depth, they have the balance, and they get those DPS right. And you know it's no secret, I think, but that's how I see MLS right now. But it's going in, it's going in a great way. Uh, obviously, you got San Diego coming in next year, which will be good. I'm sure that will add some spice to the LA. LAFC. A, little,
0: a little Carter and right on the border too, man. I mean, I always thought when they, they had the Tijuana team, people in San Diego would go see Tijuana play and now they have this yeah. option and you know, it's, it's up against it now, but I, I think oh. that's a, a good relationship between the two leagues. I also wanted to add that you mentioned the American player, but it's also the MLS veteran. And you mentioned those three clubs LAFC when they became successful the last two years, it's when they went out and got MLS campaigners, guys that have been in the league yeah. five, six years, uh, columbus wins it they were developing american players they went to that next mls next pro let those guys come in where they were able to develop and then uh seattle just develops all their guys locally yeah. so there is there's is, i think when you see those two kind of focusing on american players and mls campaigners whether mostly america but maybe yeah, some like other guys Chara,
1: right yeah but those
0: yeah, you... you find more res- success with those kind of teams then you but don't.
1: He comes from Kansas City, he goes to LAFC, amazing transition, hell of a player, right? Um, and I take part of it, I was in Charlotte, right? It was super foreign, you know, uh, and it was, uh, it was difficult for them in the first, first season. You know, they're right there on the border, but um, that's a team that, you know, probably could use like a, a Kellen Acosta or an ilia or, a Roger Espinosa, maybe two years yeah. ago, right? Like guys like that, that know the league, they can play multiple positions, can step in right away. And you know what you're going to get. There's no secret to those guys.
0: Yeah, it's a necessity. I think any, Charlotte's a great example because they came in with that international footprint, but I think all of them start to to shift a bit knowing that's the way to success. The Dynamo is another one. I think Ben Olsen came in and kind of got mm-hmm. all of those uh, MLS veteran guys. Justin Merrim, great chatting with you, buddy. Uh Appreciate I'm glad it. I finally got you on there. And uh I look forward to seeing you out there again pretty soon.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll see where I uh where I land right now. Just deal with the f- whole free agency and with my agent and a few teams uh crawling. So it'll be interesting to see where uh, I'll be playing next year. But I'm excited. I'm excited for you. But I don't
0: envy, you know, that that position. It's 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 obviously the life of a professional athlete and uh with a family, and you have to you 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 have to kind of reset a lot, and probably well, just want to the
1: sacrifices that you know that not everybody sees, but it's uh, it's a great sacrifice to be able to continue to play the game and sh- uh, share special moments with my family and, and my teammates and and be part of a good locker room. So it all comes with 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 the good and the bad, and that's just part of everything in life. Not everything can be perfect, but playing in MLS and doing something great is always is always special so
0: all right well said man we'll see you out there justin merrim joining me here in the business and uh, we'll be back with the uh, check complete we'll take a closer look at the uh, geo reina deal which was finally completed to nottingham forest time now for check complete and it's over the finish line kind of geo reina loaned to Nottingham Forest in uh, the Premier League. And there's a a lot of interesting tidbits about it. But first of all, the actual loan, which to me felt like it was just over-negotiated. It was weird. We knew about George Mendez, the super agent who has contacts and the clubs where he has clients in are the ones that came to the forefront, which immediately gives you a little bit of pause Because you wonder, do these managers truly feel Gio Reyna is an asset for their team? And do they want them? Or is there... I mean, they have to want them, right? They have to want them if they're going to make a big ordeal about this. But Nottingham Forest did not commit a lot to it. I mean, if Gio Reyna goes there and then plays 50 minutes or whatever the rest of the season, they're not going to sweat it too much because they haven't made a a real commitment to this player. So Nuno Espiritu Santo is the manager there. I'm sure he wants to use Gio Reyna. He is a tremendous talent. We know that. Uh, we have made, uh, we, we, we kind of felt like Nottingham Forest was going to be the team and we focused on them. So we, we, we looked at the players that they have. They play a similar set. I mean, they're kind of a little bit like uh, the national team. So there's something there. Morgan Gibbs-White is plays in the middle, wears the 10 shirt. So you would imagine that would be the, the guy that Gio Reyna would be competing with. But then you have the wide players, and there's a few guys that move in and out, uh, and he would be part of that battery. Nico Dominguez, uh, the Argentine winger, Anthony Alanga, is there. Uh, you have Nico Williams, probably wouldn't compete with Gio Reyna. In those spots uh, at the front, Chris Wood is in there, Callum hudson doy. So you're five guys that Gio Reyna is going to put in there and compete. We should also mention he is going to be joining a team. There'll be two Americans in the Premier League or on Nottingham Forest. We're glad that uh, there is uh, an American contingent because we had so much fun in the Premier League uh, the last year with Leeds United and Christian Pulisic. And we had some high-profile players playing in uh, the Premier League. And that's kind of gone away. We have some defenders. We have Anthony Robinson, Tim Ream. Tim Ream not playing like he did a season ago. Anthony Robinson, a different story. He is elite. Chris Richards is playing. Not really excelling, but still progressing. Not the sexiest guy to have there. It's not like having the the Leeds players and or Christian Pulisic. You have Austin Trusty, who kind of plays... Uh, i think as a left back kind of in a back three center back but uh coming along for sheffield united which is going to be uh a tricky one and who am i missing i know i'm missing someone um shiver me timbers uh who's the burnley guy uh that he's not american oh koliosho uh, perhaps is uh could be part of an American, but we won't get ahead of ourselves there, It's and then Matt Turner is the one I'm forgetting, and then you have Gio Reyna, so you have a, it, it's going to be a fun watch for Americans, we get to really lock in, and Nottingham Forest is going to be a very popular run, uh, the deal, so it is a Dortmund, uh, Dortmund's the winner here, because Gio Reyna was probably valued at $40 million. And now they probably could not sell him for $20 million. I think they would have accepted $20 million. No one was going to pay them $20 million for Gio Reyna. They don't want to give him away for well below market value in their eyes. They had him for one more year. His contract was going to end in 2025. So they they didn't sell him to Nottingham Forest. And in the process of this loan, Dortmund were able to add another year to the contract. I'm sure it's uh, they're getting Gio at a, at a good Salary, they're not breaking their bank, Uh, they're protecting themselves here. And it is a no loan option, it's a no option to buy for Nottingham Far. So, if Gio Reyna plays well, he's still going to come back to Dortmund, his value is going to go up, and Dortmund can probably sell him at the end of the season to another club. If he doesn't play well, he comes back to Dortmund, his market value doesn't go up, and then they can figure things out. But I don't think his value is going to take a dip either. And Dortmund now have him for two years, which automatically will make him more valuable uh, to sell. Because you, the team that receives Giorena, will you know be able to you know work on that contract and have him for longer than six months. So Nottingham Forest does not appear to be the landing spot for Giorena if he plays well or if he plays poorly. It is six months and that's it. Maybe they work something out, but I think they could have done it. It's just a, I just, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall because none of it, it, I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't. And then, I mean, Nottingham, it's not a big commitment for Nottingham Forest, who really need to make some important moves here. They don't, they can't make a move just for the sake of appeasing George Mendez. I mean, they got a, they, they're in a real competition. So, I mean, Dortmund strikes me as they were probably a pain in the ass during this process. And, you know, the deadline was Thursday. So we were worried it may not happen. So the good news is it happened. We get to see Gio Reyna at Nottingham Forest. They unveiled him. It was very exciting at the stadium uh, in those, those beautiful red jerseys of Nottingham Forest. He looked happy. We're happy. Gio Reyna can benefit from this if he plays well and finds another club for 2024-25 if he doesn't play well and he kind of has to sit on Dortmund's bench a bit it's not the end of the world he's 21 years of age Christian Pulisic as well as he played at that time had to wait till he was 24 to find the club that was perfect for him so we're not going to quit on Gio Reyna and his value may take a hit but this is a this is uh this to me means he is going to play probably twice as much, hopefully three times as much as he did with Dortmund. Terzic, the uh, Dortmund manager, was a big believer of of Reyna. And then by adding this year, you figure that maybe he still is a believer. Maybe Dortmund is the club Gio Reyna eventually starts to star with. You know, so uh, Gio's taken care of here. The one that I think loses is Nottingham Forest, especially if things don't go well in the Premier League. I thought they would be safe. But they lost to Arsenal. They they lost to Brentford. They, they're losing a lot. Um, they have some interesting games coming up um, that they really need to get. Uh, they'll play a lot of the relegation teams. Bournemouth is on the schedule. They have, well, they really don't. Luton, Palace, kind of a relegation team. I mean, we have, there's still plenty of games to go. Nottingham Forest. 16th place, 5 wins, 22 games, so 12 games to go. So that's a nice chunk for Gio Reyna. And we'll see if he plays on Sunday when they travel to Bournemouth. That'd be a great place. If not, maybe Wednesday when they're in the fourth-round replay of the FA Cup. But I thought Nottingham Forest would be safe. However, so all year I've been kind of crapping on the promoted teams, Sheffield United, Burnley, and Luton. And I said all three of them are going to go right back down. And Burnley and Sheffield United are going back down. Luton, who I thought were going to be the poorest of the three, man, I, I've, I apologize to Luton Town. The Hatters really play an attractive style. They're through into the FA Cup. They, they won a couple games on the FA Cup away at Bolton at Everton. So they have a fifth round matchup against Man City. That's exciting. They beat Brighton on Tuesday 4-0. They're a fun team to watch. I don't know how they do it. But they're a fun team to watch. They score goals. They go for it. Where Burnley and Sheffield United and even Nottingham Forest play very negative. They look like teams fear of relegation. Luton do not play that way. And I think they're going to stay afloat. And the only reason I think they won't is maybe because they're a little too buccaneering uh, and adventurous. But I want them to stay up. I think, I mean, except for the camera angles at Kenilworth Road, because it's such a small stadium. It's it's on top of the players. It's kind of cool, but after a while, it hurts your eyes. Anyhow, Brentford... Crystal Palace, one. I think they're going to be safe. But Nottingham Forest is twenty points. Luton's at nineteen. Everton is the first relegation team. They're eighteen. You figure Everton gets some points. So Nottingham Forest, Luton Town, and those two play each other at the back end. That's where it's coming down to, man. And I like Luton Town a lot more than I like Nottingham Forest. Uh, on paper, I like Nottingham Forest, but Luton Town just play well and are fearless. They have a four more goals, Luton Town, than Manchester United. So there's a lot here with Geo Reyna, and, and this is going to be a fun ride. You know, we always talk about relegation. Well, now the American public, just like with Leeds United the last two years, can get hyped uh, to see one of their own help Nottingham Forest. And if he helps Nottingham Forest, it's great business for Geo Reyna. It's great business for Nottingham Forest if they stay in the Premier League, because they've they've spent so much, they've committed so much to getting up and staying. But it doesn't mean that those two will be together in the long run. But enjoy it. The Soccer OG, check out the Soccer OG podcast. The library is available for your listening pleasure. Go to YouTube under my name, Max Bretos, and check out the Soccer OG on there. We have you covered. We will continue to keep an eye on AFCON and the Asian Cup and all the good stories. We have March looming for the big international dates for the USMNT. We will definitely talk about that until I see you again or get to talk to you again. Placido Domingo.